looked up the definition of narcissist in my favorite dictionary, Urban Dictionary, and here is a snippet of what I found. Someone who has little to no empathy, manipulates others, gaslights, which makes other people doubt their reality, lies incessantly, believes their own lies. They make you doubt your emotions and then call you crazy. They rage for absolutely no reason and you end up apologizing. It can be a parent, a friend, brother, sister, boss, spouse. In the beginning, they love bomb you into believing they are prince or princess charming. Then they slowly start to abuse you to have you believe you are insane. It's all to control you. They will isolate you from your family and friends. They will leave the relationship someone you weren't. You will appear confused, unable to make your own decisions, depressed, anxious, and with complex PTSD. So run far away. Run. That is the definition. (laughs) Okay, then. Today, Lisa Spector is my guest. Lisa is a Juilliard-trained pianist and entrepreneur. She suffered a devastating injury where she was told she could never play piano again, and at the same time realized that her partner had been manipulating her for years. A classic case of narcissism, something has come to light more and more recently. And from a cultural perspective, I hear about this more and more. It's like the scales are falling off your eyes and you're like, wait a minute, I know a narcissist. You might have been under a narcissist spell or under one today. And today, Lisa shares her brave story of how she broke free and how she was able to heal. If you want to know more about Lisa and important stories and topics that can help you find your place in changing the culture, please visit allisonhair.com. Here's my chat with Lisa Spector. So Lisa, you have such an accomplished background. Where do we begin? Where do we begin your story? Well, my story began on a piano bench. I, I like to joke that I grew up on a piano bench because in my childhood, that's all I did. My whole world was piano. It's not like that now. I I'm, I'm definitely play the piano, but I do other activities now. But growing up, that's really all I knew. It was my comfort zone. It was my voice. I was excessively shy as a child. I did not speak really I just, even by four years old, my parents brought me to a child psychologist, said something's wrong, she's not talking. And the psychologist said, she's just a late promo, she'll speak. And then when I was seven, I found the piano and that became my voice. Mm -hmm. And you'll hear how that ties into the story I'm going to tell today. Wow. And I know that you are trained at Juilliard. It's not very easy to get into Juilliard. (laughs) And are so accomplished and have created businesses from uh, from your ability to play. And, you know, personally, when my mother was dying, my mother uh, died of cancer. And when we found out she was terminal, my mother has a background in uh, classical training and specifically in opera and always loved classical piano. And you had played during the pandemic for her and my whole family when we found out she was dying. And she just, like, it was just magnificent. Your gift is so, um, so incredible. Tell me about where that begins. Well, 
It was such a sweet memory for me, too, because I just love it when music is, is the universal language and it speaks to the heart. And I always like to play, like to say that I don't play piano with my fingers. I make music with my heart. And I learned that statement back in 2017 when I had a hand injury that was, I fell and broke my right hand, my dominant hand so severely that I ended up with seven fractures in my right hand that needed four surgeries, took several Mm. years to recover, 186 hand therapy sessions, alternative therapies, acupuncture, Feldenkrais, the whole works. And I look back at that experience when it was so painful in the moment, both physically and emotionally, as you can imagine, your listeners can imagine. Mm. I am so grateful for that day when that happened. It was both the worst day of my life and the best day of my life simultaneously because of the gifts that came from that that I wouldn't have experienced otherwise. You went through so much pain. I imagine the identity of being a piano player. And I know that doctors, what did the doctors tell you about your ability to play? Well, first of all, you hit the nail on the head when you say identity, because that my emotional pain came from, that was my identity to play piano. That was my voice. So I felt like my voice was taken from me. My soul was taken from me. So it was so emotionally painful. On top of needing it was supposed to be one surgery at first and then I had an emergency second surgery because my bone slipped and on top of that I was diagnosed with CRPS complex what is that? it's complex regional pain syndrome it's a rare neurological disorder that when it happens it generally happens to middle-aged women when they've had trauma to their hand or their foot and everyone has different symptoms mine were swelling hand it's neurological so I had I couldn't this is pre-pandemic I couldn't be in crowds I couldn't handle loud noises I couldn't handle my nervous system was really affected and I had so much swelling that I couldn't move my hand which was very dramatic for a pianist and that was when my hand therapist my original hand therapist told me Lisa, all I wanted to know is when am I going to recover? When am I going to have my hand back? When am I going to play piano? And I didn't realize till later I was asking the wrong questions that were causing a lot of emotional pain. But my hand therapist said, Lisa, you're not going to play piano again. And I was devastated. What was the, you said I asked the wrong question. What was the right question? The right question would have been, because now I actually coach injured musicians and their emotional recovery from injuries. I was so focused on my timeline and getting my hand back. I don't have my hand back. And it took a lot longer than I would have wanted to, but I'm grateful for the timeline. So the emotional pain comes from, number one, putting my own control over my timeline recovery. And number two, wanting something from my past which was my old hand that didn't exist anymore. I no longer want my old hand back. My hand has some limitations, but I want the hand I have right now because from this point, I can see the gifts that I have been given through this hand. I haven't come up with a better word than accident, but it wasn't an accident. It was a divine intervention of what happened to me. 
So how do you, what happens? Take me to the moment when they say you're not going to play piano again. What happens in your brain? Because I'm, you know, I know that there's been some trauma with relationships around that. And I imagine, so I'm thinking vulnerable woman, somebody whose identity is, is completely in a spot where you don't even know who the F you are anymore or who you're going to be. And so you're in the perfect place to, you know, to be taken advantage of in some way. But also you're trying to figure out who am I? What, do, what does this mean? What do I do? Exactly. And also I was in the perfect spot. I was forced into taking a pause for my business that I had been obsessed with for 10 years. What was, was your business? My business was using my music talents to help improve the lives of dogs. It was so Hold much. on for that. Hold on for that. <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> I made it a thing. I was one of the first in the industry. Now it's all, there's a lot of businesses doing this. At Is that the time, right? So there's anxiety for dogs or dogs that, that are struggling or is it like just something fun for dogs? Why? Tell, tell me about that. Well, my biggest two passions we talked about growing up on a piano bench. Next to the piano bench was a dog. So my two biggest passions always have been music and dogs. And at the beginning of the podcast, you introduced me as a pianopreneur. And I call myself that because I turn my passions into businesses. Back in 2003, I owned a music school, and I also was a volunteer puppy raiser for Guide Dogs for the Blind. And I was raising a four-month-old rambunctious puppy when I had my four-year-old kids come running into the school, and I needed to calm them down fast. And I was discovering different prescriptions of classical music that work to calm and focus the children. And I learned what to play for them on the stereo. Back in those days, it was CD players. And what to play for them in 30 seconds flat, they could focus and be centered. I look next to me and my four-month-old rambunctious puppy is snoozing. And I'm like, great, it's working for the kids, but I'm really on to something. And I wonder how many dogs suffer from anxiety issues and how much help is needed. And in those days, there was very little research. This could be an entirely different podcast interview, so I won't. I'll just give you the cliff notes. Yeah. But basically, in those days, in 2003, one out of seven suffered from separation anxiety. A research study in 2020 showed that over 70% of dogs suffer from anxiety issues. Separation anxiety and sound phobias being the top two, but mm. it could be aggression, it could be uh, excessive barking, hyperactivity, fear is really common. So I loved it that I found a way that I could use my music talents to help improve the lives of dogs. And I partnered with a man who I had a wonderful working professional relationship with for many years. 
for this is 2003 we started working together in 2008 we launched on the cbs early show our first product which in those days was his cd and a book and went on to develop that business and grow it into 16 albums for dogs and cats and then comes my hand accident Mm. my hand experience injury in 2017 and i was paused from this business. I ha- I was forced to take a business which I'd been working around the clock nonstop for because I was so passionate about using my music talents. And it really caused me to see what had been going on for years. We started to have some um, just relationship challenges over the last three years when I slowly started to voice my opinion and my opinion was not being respected and my opinion was not being acknowledged and awards I won were being said that weren't important and we were on stage together and he controlled the stage and so then it all kind of accumulated in 2017 when I saw what was happening and we were creating a business together that I could not see how I could remove myself from because my passion was so connected to this business. But that's why I say my hand injury was such a blessing because I am so grateful it was only my hand because I believe if it wasn't my hand, it would have been my life. So that sounds like you were being diminished made to feel small. I'm assuming this is a business partner, not a, a romantic partner. Not or a romantic, never, no, never a romantic partner, only yeah. a business partner, but someone I was very close to probably talked, spend more time talking to than anybody else. We Live- think about, you know, somebody you're earning money with and have a business with, there's romance there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's tied to your lively, not romance, obviously, you know what I mean? From a platonic perspective, exactly. but there is, there is a love that comes to a livelihood and your ability to earn money, to have value, to have, um, you know, this purpose, not that you don't have value, but like this is kind of wrapped up in it. So how do you, um, had it been going on for a while that you just were blind to, or did you start to feel like you, you know, how, how did it start to come undone? It did not happen overnight. It had been going on so long. I just didn't see it. And I I think it's, Yeah, so I think it's important to know, too, that there are a lot of narcissists that we can recognize in our personal lives, but there are a lot of narcissists that we forget to acknowledge in our professional lives. Exactly, exactly. And I will tell you, I had been warned. I had been warned in 2008. Uh, I mean, we were close, and we were in New York, and we were staying at my friend's apartment, and beautiful apartment, Upper West Side, five-bedroom apartment. And she said to me, Lisa, be careful of this man. Mm. He is stealing the show. He's diminishing you. All these things were told to me, and I didn't say it. As the years went on, my best friend said to me, you have to get out of this. This is killing you. You have, and I couldn't see a way to get out of it. And when the hand injury happened, we were planning to, to launch a Kickstarter campaign. I was literally like called him from the ambulance and said, 
I don't know if I can do this. And he said, we, we have to do this. Like we have to do, do Kickstarter. I'm like in the ambulance uh, in so much pain asking for narcotics because I didn't know I not only had broken my finger, I had seven fractures and it was, it was really painful. And the break, you know, ironic that it was a handbrake because it was a break from the relationship and it was a break from the business. It was when I started getting legal counsel. I said, how do I get out of this? And it was the, it was not, I can laugh about it now, but it was not a pretty exit at all. So I want to see, you know, leading up to it, leading up to the injury, it sounds like you were warned and you knew when this injury happened that you felt trapped. What did that look like for you? How were you feeling where you started to notice some signs that maybe something wasn't right, that maybe you pushed down or ignored? Again, any of these are cumulative. They'd have been happening for years, yeah. but I was just starting to notice it. So we had just built a new website for thousands, over $10,000. I mean, it was a lot of money for our small business for a website. I had a blog that had the most trafficked page on that website, and I couldn't get him to agree to spend $200 to get something I wanted on my blog. And I was going into surgery, and I was adamant that I just could not sign off on one of the main pictures on the website because it just went, it it fed against my soul. It was everything I knew about dog behavior. It was not, it was showing exactly what I didn't want it to show. And I finally gave up and I said, I'm done. I'm going into surgery tomorrow. I can't spend any more energy on this. And when I had to give up something that I know it sounds like it might just be a picture, but if you can imagine you're a parent and you see something like, a parent slapping a child and you're like advertising that that's okay. That's how personal it felt to me Mm. that it went against everything I knew about dog behavior, about dog training. And I was constantly made fun of for loving my dog so much. I was constantly, not only I, all our customers were made fun of for being so obsessed with our dogs. These are my people. This is who I am. I am proud to be obsessed about my dog. So how did you know you were in too deep with this person? So it sounds like he was belittling. Uh, it, it certainly didn't feel like a relationship or a partnership that uh, was mutually beneficial at that point. How do you start to untangle once you realize that you're in too deep? And before I answer that, the other thing I'll answer looking back is I also wasn't getting paid. Oh, so well, I girl. Was- <laughs> So I was earlier on, but when I was, I'd go to hand therapy, have an hour drive. I was on the phone the entire time Mm. doing business on the way to and from. I was constantly like, Lisa, can you do this? Can you do that? And, And I wasn't getting paid. And so I sought legal counsel. And it was, I went into, and I will tell you, the best question ever was asked to me by that lawyer that I saw, because he saw my passion, what I was doing. And he said, Lisa, you're clearly passionate about using your music talents to help improve the lives of dogs. 
But do you really want to be spending all this time on product? We were making product that was made in China, and there was all these a million challenges around that. Do you really want to spend your time around that? Or do you want to spend your time with content? What is more important to you? And he wasn't being facetious. He was really curious. And I was like, everything is about music and like creating the content around that. And so when I started to realize there was a way to separate, and I did something dramatic to the thing that when you're dealing with a narcissist, you don't give them warnings because they will counteract. So I did something dramatic to pull myself out of the business that I knew I was never going back. And in the process of that, I got sued. And I mm. learned that the man I was working with all these years had a history of so many lawsuits. I didn't do my homework. I didn't look into that before we partnered. He had lawsuits for harassment. He had, we never could form a business relationship with anyone outside of the two of us because he mm. never got along with anyone. That's very typical of a narcissist because they're always right. We're Americans. We sur barely survive four years of the biggest narcissist ever. We know that narcissists don't take responsibility for their behavior, and they generally are sue happy. They love to sue because they're always right. So how, it, I, I think narcissists, the limited, um, I, I, the limited things that I know about narcissists is that they have no idea that they're narcissists. There's not really a lot of self-awareness or even concern that they might be narcissists. Um, you know, looking back, what are the signs that you saw? Because you're going to have listeners that are maybe not going to be in the same exact position as you with piano players and, you know, musicians that are in business, but they're going to start to hear some similarities that maybe this business partner had displayed and maybe could be helpful when they're starting to maybe suspect or they, they want confirmation that maybe a relationship or partnership that they're in is not going to bode well. Like how do you, how do you identify it? That's a really good question. I, and I, some memories are coming back to me. I was listening to NPR and I heard an interview and I wish I could remember the name of this book right now, but it defined, it had three labels of what is emotional abuse. And I fell into, I mean, she had an unbelievable childhood that you can't even imagine. And, and I, one of the things looking back was certainly the diminishing of behavior that, that I'm they're right and you're wrong. But it was more looking at the angle of, I started to shift my mentality of noticing my, I wasn't a victim as much as my part in the falling into the victimization. So in other words, instead of years of feeling like the intense challenge that had been showing up in the last couple of years of why is he doing this? Why is this happening? I can't stand this, all that. Instead, it was like, what is my part in this? And when I really started to see that 
my part was speaking up. My part was that voice when we talked about my voice being at the piano, my fingers. And then think about it, I lost the use of my right hand. So I kind of lost half of my voice. I did start to play piano with left hand only, but I still innerly felt like that identity of like, I'm a two-handed pianist, my identity's gone, where is my voice? And that's what it felt like. This is not about a $200 expense for our website for my blog page this is about being seen this is about being heard and being seen and when i felt the pain of i wasn't being seen or heard no matter how loud i spoke no matter what i said no matter what i was just always worn out from trying to talk louder, from trying to raise my voice. From, I mean, I'm a very gentle person, so I don't yell, but try to just get the message across. It never was happening. So for me, it was so tied into, I am going to die if I don't speak my voice. And I couldn't do it through the piano temporarily. So I had to remove myself. And it took years to really find my voice again. And to, you know, I had, when I was sued, I will tell you, I learned a lot about lawsuits. You can be sued for anything. I wasn't guilty of what I was sued for. I was never found guilty. But it cost a lot of money to defend myself. Mm. And eventually, I did sell my share of, my 50% share of the company. And I did... Um, have a non-compete and that is over and so I created my own business and I will tell you it is so rewarding going through all the ups and downs of my own business and going through being able to speak my voice I launched a new thing and a friend of mine was on my email list and emailed me back and she said Lisa isn't this so much more fun expressing your creativity this way rather than spending your time dealing with faulty product in China, which is how I was spending my time in the last business. Mm-hmm. So how do you, I, I'm, I'm thinking through how you get from, holy shit, I'm going to die um, if I don't get out of this. And then there are legal lawsuits. There's probably, there's therapy for your hand and also unwinding and finding your voice again. And, you know, I wonder what that looked like in terms of untangling who you thought you were to who you are. That's a great question. And it's still, I'm still working on that. I mean, that's a work in progress. And I realized so keep in mind I was going through the shift at the piano so I started playing music for left hand only because nothing was going to keep me from being a pianist that sounds hard it was hard very hard physically and emotionally number one it was the identity I thought I'd be done with this in a year and I would have my right hand back I don't need to learn left hand only because you know I'll learn short pieces because this is going to be temporary temporary turn into a long time and I still play music for left hand only I love playing music for left hand only but I also play music for two hands so there was get your right hand back when the doctor said you wouldn't be able to play piano anymore well I I fired my hand therapist I talked about because I did not believe her 
when she said you're oh. not going to play again. So first uh-huh. of all, I proved her wrong immediately because I started playing left and only. And then I have videos. I documented everything. I have videos that kind of astound me to this day that they're only from four years ago. And I'm sitting at the piano playing a Chopin melody. And I'm, I can't even reach an octave, which, you know, I could do when I was five or six. And I'm just playing single notes with my right hand and still making it sing because that's when I realized I don't make music with my fingers. I make music with my heart. And whether it's for people or for docs, it doesn't matter. If it comes from my heart, that's what really shows up. So that the whole identity thing was unraveling in so many levels. There was the piano level, and then there was the business level, because I didn't see how I could do this. And it was, it was really challenging. I mean, it was a day of mediation that was like, I don't know, 14 hours. And at the end of the day, I was so relieved that I was out and alive. I was so relieved that I had my freedom back. I was so relieved that I felt like I had my life back. So I felt like all of that, and it took years. I mean, there was a lot of therapy. There was, of course, physical therapy, but there was emotional therapy and trauma therapy and EMDR and all the things, you know, that... I, you know, I still sometimes get a little triggered, but I'm, I'm much, but the reason I can talk to you is because I can have this interview and go off and have a normal day now. Mm. Yeah. It sounds like it really kicked you back then. What do you think attracted you to this person? Like, Why did you feel like you needed him? That's a really good question too. So like most narcissists, narcissists are debonair and charming and he was a very attractive man physically, and he just had this charm around him. And so either people saw through it immediately, as some of my friends did, or they didn't. So according to him, he had a lot of business experience, a lot, and I didn't. So I just trusted him. Big mistake. Like, now I know. Do your homework. Like, I trusted Narcissists what- also love empaths. You know, they, they, love they stick to empaths really quickly. Yeah, I think they're just, whether it's conscious or not, they're drawn to them because they're people who fall for them, even though it wasn't a romantic love relationship. They still, I fell for it the first 10 years of like, he knows what he's doing and we are invited to do, um, you know, presentation and and he was supposed to do his thing in one room. And then the next day I was doing my thing at the piano on the concert stage. He comes onto the stage and just takes over. I'm like sitting there, deep breathing quietly. Okay, I am here. I will have my time. Of course, my time was cut, you know, by three quarters, you know. So, but I think at, so that was when I, that was part of the process of seeing what was going on. But in the original days, I didn't trust myself. I didn't trust, I knew what I was doing. I did not trust I knew how to run a business. I did not trust. And so here I am running two businesses myself. And I, you know, you and I have been in a masterclass together. You know, we both love to learn. We both love to learn how to improve our businesses. And to me, that's, it's so fun. And it's so creative because I get to make my own mistakes now. I, I love making mistakes because that's how you learn. I wasn't allowed to, 
I didn't allow myself, I should say, to do it back then. What I'm what I'm hearing from this too is that you know, you having this injury, then having this realization, then having people tell you you cannot play the piano anymore. Like your whole life was obliterated in one injury, one moment. And you know, what I am inspired by is the strength to build yourself back better. Build yourself back better. Brick by brick. <laughs> it's alliteration so brick there. By brick, but brick by brick. But but it's I'm 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 thinking through people listening to this, feeling like they have been there before with a narcissist or in a situation and trying to get themselves out. And, uh, you know, kind of recognizing how do you take apart your life without having it destroyed in, you know, a freak accident or something, you know, where, where the bottom drops out? How do you, how would you guide, you know, you now say that you help injured performers, pianists. How do you, um, how do you start to get out? What would you guide people when they're in a position with a narcissist and kind of finding their own voice again, finding their own strength? Well, I think it's important to go back to psychologists will tell you, I mean, I've studied this a lot of what psychologists say about narcissists and read about it. You, when you're in it, you don't see it. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to see. So if I look back to my own experience, how could I have seen this sooner? I mean, it. I accept what it is, but I, you know, it did take the hand accident. But two years before that, I had a front. I had a. It was kind of minor, but not really. It was a head-on collision. It was minor only in the Jesus. sense that uh, we're both going ten miles down an hour, and I was going up a canyon. She was going down, driving on the wrong side of the road. But I had whiplash for a year, and I was on my way to a meeting with him, and I took the meeting. I took the meeting and pain. That's such a women like, thing. Yeah. And it, it really is. You know, like we think we can do it all and we, you know, we just keep plowing through. Right. Exactly. You're like, well, if I could, if I could do it, might as well. You yeah. Know? So that's Don't why with a the hand injury, I couldn't, I had to stop. I couldn't use the computer. I couldn't, you know, I had to stop. So that's why it was the blessing it was. But advising other people to look at where are you diminishing yourself? What are you passing on to someone else because you feel like you can't do it? Is there any area, let's take work for instance, is there any area where whether you're of a boss or whether you're a business partner or, you know, anyone, even someone working for you, is there some area where you feel like you have, you've been told you can't do this, it's not going to be perfect, so I'll do it for you. I would encourage you to look at that and say, how can I take my power back? How can I do this? How can I allow myself the opportunity to mess up? Because that's how we learn. And narcissists don't allow people around them to do their what their experience of messing up is. Because their most important thing to them is their persona. The most important thing to them is how people view them and see them. And so anything that comes back to them that could reflect on, let's say, the business we co-own that would be less than perfect in his eyes, different interpretation in my eyes, 
would affect his persona. Mm-hmm. You know, not being right of our business, but bringing trying to bring in business partners. We were invited to be on Shark Tank. Oh, is that right? And I, we did not do it. My sister said to me, you walk on that stage, you have one opportunity, and he will act like a shark, and it will be over. Mm. So, and it was okay, because he said, we don't need them. <laughs> so, that sounds like an a-hole. <laughs> well, it's what he thought. I can do this without him. So, What is it like when you, when you um, meet people today that kind of have some of those traits? Well, that's you... the good news. That's the really, yeah. really good news. I can spot it in 20 seconds flat. So mm-hmm. it happens in my dating world. You know, there's other men out there. I'm sure women too who are narcissists. I can spot it in 20 seconds and I just don't, I don't go there. So You're looking back it, yeah. on my life, you know, this isn't the first time this has happened. This just happened in the biggest way. And the thing that was what felt like the most important thing to me at the time. So it's been a pattern that you've noticed. To some, certainly with the powerful men, with the powerful men. They weren't all narcissists, but they were, had that, I gave them my power. Like they knew right, I didn't know, I didn't, so I looked for them. I hand, there's so many times I would never do anymore. And I'll just, you know, I'm going to be honest here. There's so many times I handed over a part of my business and said, can you do this for me? I don't know how to do it. And mm-hmm. um, I would never do that now. I would never do that with, you know, I'd build partnerships. I'd build relate, working relationships, but I wouldn't just hand something over because I don't know how to do it. I wonder if it is like a clear boundaries thing too, when you have a partnership thing. But, you know, I, I feel like we've all been there. You know, there are so many scenarios, at least in my life, where, I don't feel very strong and just want somebody to take over because I don't like to not feel strong. Right. And exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I totally relate to that too. And there are areas where it's really important to do everything and there are important areas where you need to delegate and, and get help where it's wanted. But where I invite your listeners to look at where is that help coming from? Like not the person, but what is the mechanism? What is the, is there heart behind it? Is there helpfulness? Is it sincere? Is it, is it someone else's insecurity? Because really when it comes down to it, and that's why I've been able to send blessings to this person I'm talking about. I do wish him well, and I wish the people around him well. Because, I'm rolling my eyes at this part. <laughs> well, because this comes from his abuse. It's got to. It comes from somewhere. So it comes from whatever is in his past. I don't know the details. It doesn't matter. But whatever yeah. in his past that causes someone to act this way, it comes from being hurt, and it comes from insecurity. So I... I'm doing this, I'm speaking about this because I want to help other people see the situations they're in well before I saw the situation I was mm. in and not have to go through an experience like using use of their right hand or, or in part of them that's like feels like part of their identity. I think even in in 
the pop culture lexicon that the narcissist has come up so much where it does feel like it is there is an intense focus on it because of the the last president and you know people's scales kind of falling off of their eyes um you know i wonder going forward lisa what is next for you what are you next, excited about next for me i love having my own businesses where I get to make the decisions. I get to learn the messy things. I get to do, it's not that I do all of it. I mean, I have, I have help and I'm forming a team, but if I make a mistake and it's public, I don't really care about my persona. I just look at it as a learning experience. So I have two businesses. I, my non-compete did Tell me end. about them. So Tell my, me about your business. My non-compete did end and I have created music for pet stress called My Zen Pet, and that is also the name of my podcast, My Zen Pet, that I was very inspired by you, Allison, and all your <laughs> work helping podcasters where you so many questions in your clubhouse rooms early on. <laughs> and so I have a very simple micro podcast, My Zen Pet, which is the first podcast with music for pet stress. So I love doing that. I have a dog gone calm club, and that is also the name of my first album, Dog gone, gone, gone got what? Dog gone <laughs> calm. Dot com. Uh, you can get there that way too. So, okay. but it's it's a club, so it's a membership where I pay oh. play I play private monthly concerts for members and their dogs. I have one this afternoon, and also invite get ex- guest experts. It's all about forming connection and relationship and communication with our dogs and understanding them better. And it's a wonderful community. And then I also, my other business, which I just love to the end of time, is my piano business. So I do everything from a piano ninja tricksters club, where I help classical pianists practice learn more by practicing less by practicing smart so learn more in less time by practicing smart and we have mastery classes and we have um just a fabulous non-competitive supportive community not the kind of community i had at juilliard and the kind that i want to create for other classical pianists and also thinking of doing a podcast for that as well and also recordings and then i play Online and now I'm playing more in person and I play concerts for left hand only. My favorite thing in terms of performing is my story, my inspiration I can offer people of whether they're musician or anything else. By the time you get to our age, you've had some sort of setback where you're like something has happened and Mm -hmm. you need the emotional support. So it's I love using my story of resilience to encourage others to play on whether it's dance or music or writing or painting or whatever it is. I, I love to do that. Well, it's clear you're passionate and industrious and strong as hell. So we're so glad to have you on the podcast. How can people find you? I think you said, but what are the best uh, and easiest ways for people to find you and your work? Best way is lisaspector.com, spelled T-O-R. And if you have a dog, then myzenpet.com. And everything is there and on all the socials as well. Allison, you're such a delight to talk to. Thank you so much. Wow, isn't her music absolutely exquisite? 
I am so grateful to Lisa for courageously sharing her story, and I'm honored she chose to share it for the first time publicly on Culture Changers Podcast. You can find her music and work at lisaspector.com, and I've put her links in the show notes. If you have a story you'd like to share or know someone who is making a big impact, hit me up. By the way, I'm about to launch a Discord server where I can really create your listenership into a community of action and connect you together. So I'd love for this to be a little more of an interactive experience that I'm building out what that will look like now. I would bet that there are some people listening, like you who are listening, you need to meet someone else who's listening and you could change the whole world together, or at least change your lives together. So I want you to make sure you leave me your email at allisonhair.com so you can get the invitation link. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.